0: you just need to be ready for that so it really needs to be your passion it needs to be something that you love to do because if not i can't imagine i would get so burnt out
1: hello creative and welcome to another episode of the founders and dreamer series Today's episode is very, very special because I have my dear friend and former colleague on, Karen Rosenbloom. I have been watching her entrepreneurial journey for the last couple of years and she has personally inspired me so much. She definitely is a person who has taken something that she is truly passionate about, that she truly loves, which is travel and not only travel, but Spain in particular and has turned it into a beautiful business. Karen and I worked together for several years in tech and we've been keeping in touch and I was just really excited to have her on. I've been wanting to have her on for a really long time. And so the fact that this is the last Founders and Dreamers episode of 2020 felt very fitting. Karen shares some really beautiful insights about that transition that she made from working more of a nine-to-five job into doing her business full-time, which I know a lot of you listening are in that stage, you're in that dreamy idea stage, you're still in maybe a nine-to-five job, or even maybe running a business that you're not in alignment with and you're wanting to make that shift. Karen really goes deep to give you some really beautiful, valuable insights that are going to help you along that journey. And we do talk about travel and the travel industry, because that's the industry that she's in. That's the industry that we connected over. We both worked in the travel industry in tech, and so for those of you that maybe have thought about getting into travel before, and you're kind of wondering what that's going to look like with 2020, Karen also shares her insights around that. But before we get into the episode, I just want to give you a little bit of an insight what you can expect for 2021. I am going to be shifting the podcast slightly back to more solo episodes. I have absolutely loved having guests on. But I feel like I want to give you more of action steps you can take and really have each episode be more of a mini lesson where I set an intention for the episode, give you some tips and some insights. And then I want to leave it with a journal prompt or some sort of insight that you can take after the episode. And so that's what you can expect for 2021. I definitely want to do more Uh, positive affirmations and meditations during the podcast and things of that nature because I feel like that's really going to help a lot of you who are still in that dreamy kind of idea stage start to just really work through your ideas. And the last thing I want to mention is that you can still pre-order my book that I'm working on called Where Dreams Are Made, named after this podcast. I am in the process of really working through my ideas. And like I said in a previous episode, if you hadn't heard, I am working with a publisher and they've been just really amazing with helping me to Uh, work on the book and get my ideas out and things of that nature. So that book is going to be coming out in 2021. Stay tuned for that. And that's another reason why I am going to be shifting the episode slightly because they are going to be very closely connected to a lot of the things that I'm going to be talking about in the book. And so if you would like to pre-order the book, I will also have it in the show notes. And with that being said, let's get into the episode. (laughs) Welcome to the show, Karen Rosenblum, founder of Spain Less Traveled. She took her love of Spain and created a beautiful business, blog, and incredible Facebook community. She is also a very dear friend of mine, a former colleague. We worked together in tech, and she has over 20 plus years working in travel. She is the perfect example of taking something you love, that you're deeply passionate about, and turning it into a wonderful, thriving business. And I have to say, creative, I've just been so inspired by watching her journey, and I'm so happy to have her on today. Thank you so much for being here, Karen.
0: Wow, that that is quite the introduction. Thank you so much for the kind words. And I'm, I'm humbled, and I'm grinning, and I'm blushing, and
1: oh. yeah,
0: and we, we worked together at that team at Airbnb so many years ago, and it's just so good to reconnect like in a whole different space.
1: Yes. No, definitely. I totally agree. It's been amazing kind of what's come after working in that industry and just being able to, yeah, both of us, I feel like just tap into what it is that we truly want to do and enjoy. So I agree. I I agree.
0: And just to, I'm so inspired by your journey and what you did. And I know, you know, I know the struggle that it, got to get to you to where you are and I'm so inspired
1: by you too really. Oh thank you Karen I appreciate that yeah it's definitely a lot of ups and downs and you know I know a lot has happened this year especially for both of us and I really want to kind of touch on that as well but before we get into that I really would love to just have you share your story with the listeners of you know where your love of Spain started how you got into travel and what inspired you to really start your business?
0: Cool. Um, Yes. Okay. I'm probably going to answer these in a little bit of a reverse order than you asked. Yes. That's
1: cool.
0: (laughs) What started my love of travel was actually Spain and France. Um, Mm. I'd always loved to travel as a kid and we took a lot of domestic trips all the time across the country, even down to Mexico, which isn't domestic at all, but like in North America, up to Canada. And I I always just loved, loved traveling. And I loved like devouring the Sunday paper back in the days when there used to be a travel section and it was on paper and there were ads for travel agencies and destination ideas. I would just devour it every Sunday. So finally, when I was, I think at 15 years old, In high school, I convinced my parents, we really have to go to Europe as a family. Of course, this was back in the days before Norwegian air and when, and, and, you know, really low cost flights. And when going to Europe was really just such a special opportunity. So finally I convinced my parents and they gave me the one caveat that was, all right, we'll go, but you have to plan the trip because they just didn't have time. It wasn't necessarily, you know, anything I mean, they they trusted me with it clearly, but it was more like, I'll do it, but you have to plan it. So as a 15-year-old, I planned my family's first trip. We went to Madrid and we went to Paris. And um, from there on out, I just loved international travel. I studied abroad in Japan in college. I went back to France and studied abroad down there over there again um, in high school, actually, just for a summer, which was amazing, just after this trip. And then I started traveling on my own every spring break in university. Anytime that I could, I would travel. And I knew that I wanted to be in the travel industry. And it just, it, you know, I knew from that day, from the day that I planned the trip for my parents, really, and my, myself as well, because it went off. It was so smooth and we had such a great time and I did it. I accomplished that. So that all led me to my first job after college in Berkeley, California. I started working at STA Travel. At the time, it was the largest student travel organization. I think we had over 60 offices in the U.S. And while the pay was horrible, my parents actually told me, all right, don't take this job. It's highway robbery. The benefits were amazing. We could travel all over the world for really cheap or even free at times. I got to go to Russia, Turkey, Greece. So many places for free, just on incentive trips that I would won. And I got to travel the world during my vacation time, which was, I don't want to say unlimited, but, you know, we, they were very generous with that. And since we could get such good deals on travel, it was actually something that I could afford on my minuscule salary. And I also made some of my closest friends at STA. In fact, every sun every saturday we still chat on zoom all three of us and they're in california and i'm here in spain and it's just that connection because we all love to travel but anyways it was really the dream job with a little pay but it was such a great post college job finally that all came to a screeching halt in in 2008 because the company basically went under Internet travel was becoming a big thing. No one was really using travel agents anymore. So that really, that I love that job so much. And I was devastated when we got laid off. Mm. So I started at Airbnb, I believe 2011 was when I started. Nadia and I both, we were like some of the originals. We worked remotely. Our office was like this dinky little building in the South of market in <laughs> San Francisco. we were like, what is this? Where am I going? And we really let the company evolve. And um, I was really fortunate that I got to stay and travel. But the thing that I was most fortunate about working for Airbnb is, I think you can attest to this too, Nadia, since Mm -hmm. we were some of the original employees, we were fully remote. So we had the most, we we were on the team together with like the most awesome boss in the world. Shout out to Justin. And (laughs) we basically worked our whole team from wherever we wanted during, you know, normal hours, normalish hours, but as long as the work was done by the end of the week, Justin was happy, we were happy. So I really just started working and traveling. And it took me back to Spain very early on in that whole journey, where I ended up in Granada in Andalusia and just fell in love with Spain. I liked it a lot on my first trip as a high schooler, But, I mean, Paris kind of overshadowed it in Madrid in that sense, just for, A, the city was very different at the time. Paris is luxurious. It's amazing. It's an icon, whereas Madrid is a great city. And in fact, I lived there for a while. I don't anymore, but it's an awesome city. But that didn't spark my love of Spain. Toledo did on that same trip. So I kind of went back and Mm -hmm. reignited that as an adult and found Granada and Andalusia and... Fell in love and really started working there. Um, we were allowed at the time ninety days in and ninety days out. This is before I moved to mm-hmm. Spain and got a visa to move here. And I would basically stay in Spain for ninety days at a time, go back to California or go, or you know, go somewhere else and work for Airbnb. And then I would always go back to Spain, and it was that cycle for a really long time. And then just to factors, you know, a little bit beyond my control that kind of got pulled out under me at work um, to no mm-hmm. fault of, of Justin, who I mentioned. And um, that's kind of when Airbnb and I needed to part ways. And I decided I was going to follow my heart and work on moving to Spain, which I did. So I'm living now. I actually recently moved. I, I, I lived in Madrid for a while, but I recently moved to the city of Malaga and Andalusia where I am right now. And, I love it. I'm I'm so happy here.
1: No, it looks beautiful. And yeah, it looks a lot different from where you were before. And so it's kind of looks like it's a little bit of a shift for you. But I can tell that you're loving it and enjoying it, which is really great to see.
0: Absolutely. Madrid's a great city. Everyone dreams about living in New York or living in the really big city. And I got to do that for a while. But after the pandemic and living in a small apartment there and being landlocked again, I'm California, so I need the ocean. And and the price tag to live in Madrid is any capital is a lot higher than other parts of Spain. So I decided to downsize and follow my heart and move to Andalusia and be by the water. I love it.
1: Yeah, no, that's beautiful. Yeah, being by the water is definitely key. And yeah, it was amazing hearing your story because there was a lot of things that I didn't know. And the fact that you started with planning that trip to Europe. I just think it's it's so just part of your story and part of what you've experienced that travel is just within you and and part of your passion. It's it's really amazing that you've been able to merge that seamlessly into your life like that and and do so much travel.
0: Yeah, it's been great. And I mean, it led me too to starting my own travel business specializing in handcrafted trips to Spain. Basically, planning people's dream trips to this country that I love so much and doing everything along the way for them from travel consulting to, you know, fully handcrafted and customized itineraries. It really took what I loved about working at STA, which was helping people get to their, to their dream. And then also what I took away from Airbnb was being an entrepreneur and figuring Mm -hmm. out how to do something and make it make my passion, what I was doing kind of like what a lot of people at Airbnb were doing. So, and being around, you know, other budding entrepreneurs too at that job was just amazing. And so the two kind of merged together and that's how Spain Less Traveled was created.
1: Yeah, no, and that's beautiful. And I'd love for you to kind of speak to that a little bit more about making that transition because I know a lot of people listening are in that kind of idea dreamy stage and they want to start something, but they're not really sure how to kind of make that leap or make that transition. What are some of the things that kind of helped you move things along when you were sort of going from Airbnb into your business?
0: So leaving Airbnb, obviously the biggest um, the biggest concern that I had was definitely financial. So I waited until I had some ducks in order and a safety net as well, and then um, was kind of able to take the leap. I had other life circumstances that Kind of gave me a little bit of leeway to be able to take the leap when I needed to really take the leap. I actually needed to take the leap a little while before, but I hadn't planned it out yet and it wasn't the right timing. So finally, when kind of all the stars came together and aligned, I was able to leave Airbnb with enough um, enough of a safety net that I think with downsizing my life as well, which I'll talk about in a second, which kind of made it okay. So I was living in San Francisco at the time, and I think everybody knows, at least most people in the United States, that San Francisco is the most expensive city in the U.S., one of the most in the world to live in. And as much as I loved San Francisco, it was changing, and it was not necessarily the city that I had fallen in love with and wanted to to stay in forever. And I was getting to that point, and I also knew that if I was leaving Airbnb it meant giving up my apartment in San Francisco, which anyone who has a rent controlled Mm -hmm. apartment in San Francisco with lower hate can like hear the heartbreak of doing that. But I just Mm -hmm. couldn't sublet it anymore. And I was always losing money on it and it was was a burden. So I needed to get rid of it. Um, The cost of living in Spain is much cheaper than the US and it's also a much simpler life as well. Um, And also once I gave up my San Francisco apartment, I went and did the full-on digital nomad thing to start my own business before I moved to Spain. So before I could stay there for more than 90 days at a time, but I went to countries that had a lower cost of living. For example, I went to Guatemala and even though my Spanish was okay at the time, I took a really, really intensive Spanish class and this, and while I wasn't in school, I was building the business and um, I traveled all around Southeast Asia right after I left Airbnb, whereas it was kind of cleansing my soul and things were starting to come together. I went back to mm-hmm. Spain, I think three times, two or three times for 90 days before I ended up um, applying for the visa and moving. So it kind of all transitioned like well because I, of downsizing and really being able to take some time to think out my business plan. I made a lot mm-hmm. of mistakes at the beginning. Um, I had to do an entire rebrand last year, actually, but that luckily went pretty smoothly <laughs> on, on the rebrand mm. side of things. Then COVID hit right away, of course. So that's mm. that's a different story for a different day. Yeah. But um, yeah, so it was just kind of the timing and the planning and the getting all the cards in order before I took the leave. It was scary. It was the scariest thing, one of the scariest things I've ever done. But yeah. I remember the day that I emailed my boss, I was out on a leave of absence for my mental health, actually, because the job was becoming very unhealthy too. And Mm -hmm. I sent in my 14 day notice and it it was like a a huge burden was lifted off of me to get out of corporate America and move to Spain. That was a long-term plan, which took about a year, but it happened and Mm -hmm. and do it. So yeah, Yeah, I guess my advice is make sure that things are in order enough that you have a small enough safety net. You don't, I mean... You might have to downsize. I definitely did, but it's so worth it in the end. And there's also ways to make gold out of downsizing.
1: Right. That's true. And no, I'm so happy that you said that because I've recently just been talking to a lot of people kind of doing these one-on-ones where people feel that calling. They know that they need, they're not happy with the work that they're doing and they want to transition, but there's so much fear out of making that leap. And so I'm glad that you spoke to that, to just what your experience was like and how it is worth it in the end, that you did feel like you came full circle and and look what you've built now. It's just, it's amazing.
0: Thank you. Thank you.
1: Um, So I'd love to hear if anyone's maybe tuning in, they kind of feel called into getting into a similar space, into the travel space. Maybe some little more insights or tips about things that you did that really helped you. Maybe things that you tried that you didn't necessarily feel like were as beneficial as you thought just to kind of give people a little bit more of kind of things that they should focus on if they're starting something new especially in the travel space
0: yeah well i will i will say this because i get um a lot of a lot of emails and a lot of messages from people who want to get into travel and unfortunately Mm -hmm. i'm going to be completely frank right now if you haven't if you don't have industry experience it's not really the time to shift your business into travel um Mm. every single every single travel business is suffering right now and most of my friends who were STA with me at STA actually all of them ended up working in travel too in the end and they're all furloughed or laid off temporarily or maybe permanently we don't know right now I have a I have a colleague here in Spain who basically does the same thing that I do with her company and she and I have been having weekly zoom chats and you know, we're both, things are just not good for our industry right now. Um,
1: right.
0: I mean, I, there is hope for the future. So I do, I do think that being well-traveled is important. That's definitely part of it, but it's not all of it. It's, you really have to have attention to detail because if you're doing bookings, things need to be perfect, especially if it's for a client with a, you know, with anything that's um, with a hard to spell name or something like that. Like we learn that right away at STA. Obviously you have to have really, really good interpersonal skills, but again, it depends what aspect of the industry you want to get into attention to detail is really important. Well-traveled is important, but it's not the most important thing out there. Um, you have to understand, too, you really have to have a drive and a passion for the industry, not just for travel, but for the industry. Because the thing about the travel industry is you're not going to make a lot of money. It's not a get rich quick or even a get rich at all industry. It's for people who truly love travel, but also can devote themselves to the industry side of things, if, that's, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, I would say now nobody's really hiring, but take an internship if you can with a travel company or, you know, stop other travel companies that you like and see if you can help them out in some way or collaborate or something. Don't be surprised if a lot of people do say no right now, because everybody is just kind of trying to stay afloat right now. It's a really bad time for our industry. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately I think my answer to that is just wait it out. If you really are passionate about travel kind of re- continue to to build yourself career-wise in other ways as well. Re- you know, do a lot of reading, figure out ways to, to harness social media, things like that. But if you – Hardcore travel industry is going to be difficult right now, unfortunately.
1: Right. No, and I'm, I'm glad that you spoke to that because – yeah, it's, it's been quite the year 2020. Lots of ups and downs, more downs than ups, I would say. And so I think it's important for people to understand what it really means to start something new or transition to something new right now. Even if you do feel that calling, you want to make sure that you are setting yourself up for the best possible outcome. So yeah, I'm, I'm just glad that you're really honest about that. And I'm curious what you think sort of the future does hold kind of going into the end of 2020 into next year do you kind of predict things going in the up and up do you feel like things are going to be kind of up and down for the foreseeable future when it comes to travel or
0: um I think things are going to be up and down for a little while but I do finally see some hope now keep in mind too that my specialization in my business is bringing people from the U.S. to Spain on on holiday um, right. And right now, transatlantic travel is pretty much off the table for the time being. We'll see when that starts to come back. I do have some hope, especially after Saturday. Um, I was like, oh, my business might be saved. Um, I'm also lucky that the pandemic didn't really completely kill my business, but it's still remaining to be seen how it emerges But that's where the hope comes in. And I have a lot of hope. I do have hope for the travel industry, that it's going to bounce back. And I think it's going to bounce back in ways that have needed to change about it. For example, responsible travel, I think is going to be a really important thing to sell and a really important part of the industry. Gone are the days of, you know, tour buses with um, 70 people going from country to country in five, Mm -hmm. like five countries in two weeks. I mean, how is that even possible? Right. And I think that people are really going to focus on making travel that once-in-a-lifetime special experience again because we all took it for granted for so for so long, myself included. I was always thinking, right. oh, I can just go back to fill in the blank anytime. But no, that's not the case. And I think we all learned that. Right. So um, I think that that's hope for our industry, that people who, like myself who are focused on responsible travel and localized travel and really special once-in-a-lifetime experiences – are going to be kind of at the forefront. I also think that um, right now is a really, really great time to reach out to your community, your client base, your prospective clients, your former clients in some way and just keep reminding them that we're here. You know, for me, it's Spain's waiting and we can't wait to welcome the world back. And once we're ready, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm happy to help you plan that once-in-a-lifetime dream trip that you're always thinking about. I have a community Mm -hmm. of over... um, yeah, actually we did break 9,000 so over 9,000 people right oh. now who it's called travel spain with an exclamation point and um nice. it's you know for people who are passionate about spain travel and people who have always dreamed of coming to spain or maybe were planning a trip unfortunately just like my rebrand it was born yeah. right before covid and so the community kind of quickly pivoted into a I have to cancel my dream trip, and it Mm. was sad. So yeah, but um, so I mean, there is hope, I think, going forward, and I do see that with my community and with my travel partners, my my travel business partners, I should say, that people want to travel, and people are dying to get back on the road. And once they do, it's going to be those special experiences and responsible travel, and you know, more inclusive travel. I think too. Um, I mean, I could talk for ages about how there's just not enough diversity in the travel industry and within travelers themselves. And I can't wait to watch the industry embrace that and try to change that, not embrace that there's no diversity, but embrace trying to change that and more inclusivity and making, you know, just helping to make the world a better place, too.
1: Yes. Because that's definitely. what travel is about. Or should exactly. Be about. Yes, it should be about and experiencing other cultures and being open to other things and connection. We, I feel like in a lot of ways, even though obviously a lot of us have been just staying at home, there has been this connection piece that has been, I feel like a theme for me. And I feel like a lot of people, we, we are trying to find a way to kind of relate to each other. And I think you're right about the once in a lifetime trips, because for me living on Maui, it's been... I I am used to, even though we don't travel internationally as much, I am used to like popping over to another island or going to the mainland, as we call it, and not having that has been kind of like this eye-opening realization that it is a really special thing to be able to do, to be able to experience another culture and go somewhere else. And so I think it's amazing that you spoke to that.
0: Thank you. And I can't, I mean, as beautiful as Maui is, I, I, wow, props to you. I can't imagine being... You know, just on an island right now, I, even though yeah. I know you guys love it. And I was just feeling no. like, oh, I need more
1: space. Yeah. I need, I need, I need, <laughs> no, it's I need, been. I need
0: to. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. I realize how much I love to travel now that I haven't been able to do it. And, you know, we I spoke to this before we started recording, but we haven't had any travelers here since March and they're just now starting to come back. And it's been such this difference to have no one here to now have all these people here. It's very interesting.
0: Yeah. And and I'm sure a little scary for you as well, you know, living there. Um, hopefully they're doing it responsibly. It sounds like Hawaii has taken a great approach to it, but my heart goes out to everyone, everyone who works in travel anywhere, but Hawaii, man, I mean, that, that's, that's your industry and it's getting broken and it's so, so hard to see. So I really hope that it's going to recover and recover in a way that's, that's, that's responsible and safe for you living there.
1: Right. No, thank you. I appreciate that. And yeah, I was, I was curious because like you said, you know, Maui, Hawaii in general, we are so dependent on visitors. How dependent is Spain on visitors? Do they, is, has it been making a really major impact that people are not traveling as much or has it been, you know, Kind of same. So
0: Spain is definitely a country that is very reliant on travel and tourism. Some of the okay. really cool travel, like um, going to beautiful historical sites and little towns off the beaten path and our cities. But of course we also have our, our brand of, of packaged tourists who come to our beaches and don't leave the all-inclusive resort. And um, that is a sector of our industry, but all of it, you know, all of it combined has really, really just kind of wrecked the country. Travel is 12% of our GDP, at least. Mm-hmm. So that's a huge percentage. If you visualize it, I'm not a numbers person, but like, just thinking about 12% on a pie graph is, it's, it's massive. And you feel mm-hmm. it here, especially down here in the South, in Andalusia, where I live, I live in the city of Malaga, which is actually a very Spanish city, but all outside of Malaga is what is called Costa del Sol, which is kind of beach towns, but resorts and, and a lot of, um, a lot of package holiday type things, not the city that I live in itself, but just right there. But all of Andalusia too is very reliant on tourism, like Granada, for example, um, with the with the Alhambra is is a city and it's Spain's it's possibly Spain's most beautiful city and everyone who comes to Spain really needs to visit it in my opinion. And I went there in July, I think, just to check things out and selfishly to get the Alhambra to myself because we had a summer of basically no international travel and wow was it depressing. And even living down here in Andalusia, um you just see a lot of businesses are closing and you know we just got more restrictions placed on us and we'll see what kind of what bars and restaurants survive this and right. and you know with tourism being taken out of the picture it's it's a really big segment of our gdp so yeah not good but i'm hoping again that people are going to want to come back to spain especially um people pla- you know who are really wanting to like embrace its history its culture its gastronomy spain is amazing I mean, we have it all. We have so much beyond Barcelona and Sevilla and the names that everybody kind of thinks of. There's kind of something for everyone here. There really is, and it's just such a beautiful country with warm, welcoming people and a and a great, a great place to travel. It's safe and it's easy to get around. And while while you know not many people here do speak English, the younger people kind of do. People are so friendly. You don't even need to really be able to speak Spanish well always of mm. course learning the basics is really is a kind gesture to make in any country but it's such a beautiful easy country to travel and it has so many rewards and so many secrets and just so much to discover so I really do do have so much hope that once this coronavirus crisis is over or at least we have more more control over it that people are going to come back and I know they
1: will yeah. I know. I want to visit. I love looking at all your photos and everything that you share about it. It just, it looks like a beautiful place to visit. And yeah, I would love to experience Spain.
0: I I mean, I would love for you to come and I would selfishly love to see you. So Yes.
1: (laughs) Hopefully one day sooner rather than later. We'll see how things go. Yes,
0: absolutely. You would love it though. It is... (sighs) It's a, it's such, it it breaks my heart to see it like this, honestly, but I know it's going to recover.
1: Yeah. Um, So I'm kind of, this is, I guess, a little more of a loaded question, but I'm just kind of curious to where do people typically kind of feel like they want to go to just by maybe not going to Spain or not knowing too much about Spain, the places they're sort of drawn to versus the places that you sort of recommend or encourage people to see? do you kind of see like a little bit of a theme with that where people kind of, maybe they're more drawn to Madrid and, but then you suggest sort of other places just to kind of give people a little more insight.
0: I mean, I think that's everywhere in the world for sure, but absolutely. I think that the biggest card and the biggest kind of travelers drawing card of Spain is Barcelona. Barcelona is a beautiful city. There's no denying that the Gaudi architecture is fantastic. All the modernista architecture Um, it's on the coast, so it has a, you know, nice advantage of being a, of being a coastal city, but Barcelona is not, you know, the beginning, middle or end of Spain. In other words, it's not all that there is to Spain. There's so much more in this country and it's a shame how many people really just think that they, that they want to come to Barcelona or come to Barcelona for three days on a grand European trip and say, okay, I can check Spain off. No, you really can't. Um, Again, spend some time there, but there's so much more to see. I mean, obviously, everybody wants to come to the south of Spain as well. And there's a reason for that. Andalusia. I I live here. It's a beautiful, beautiful part of the country. It's kind of textbook Spain. It's where you see flamenco or hear flamenco music in the streets. It has some of the, you know, it's like very traditional kind of tapas and um, of course, all the Moorish architecture is down here as well. It's where the three cultures met, also Judaism, Christianity, and and um, and Islam. And it's, I mean, it's a beautiful part of the country. Some of our best food is produced here, like the olive oil is amazing. And um, so, yeah, everybody wants to come to Andalusia, and I definitely agree. But again, like Sevilla and Granada and Cordoba are all beautiful cities, but I highly urge people to get off the beaten path. In fact, my dream trip to Plan is two weeks in Andalusia where I can have people, hit my clients hit the highlights definitely and spend three or four days in each of the cities, but also go to places more off the beaten path and some little gems that we have that are just so beautiful and so uniquely Spain and aren't very touristic at all. And then to really get to experience what, you know, Spain at that level. And depending on people's interests and my clients' interests, um, there's kind of something for everyone in this region. We have some really nice beaches that aren't built-up resorts. You just need to know where to go, in other words. Um, We have, you know, some beautiful historic cities that aren't the ones that everybody thinks of right away. So, yeah, two weeks in Andalusia is great, especially if you can – spend some time in the highlights, because they're amazing, and then really get off the beaten path. And the other one yes. is Madrid, but not for the reasons that you mentioned. Actually, Madrid's really underrated. It's one of mm. the most underrated capitals in Europe. People just go to Barcelona, for the most part. And Madrid's a great city. I mean, it's authentic, it's vibrant, it's during non-corona times, 24-7, it's Like you can kill the night in Madrid, but it has beautiful days too. There's so much art there. There's so much culture. There's so much good food. There's so much authenticity. But with Madrid, it's not all like bam in your face. You really need to know where to look and how to scrape beneath the surface and find those places. So I think Madrid is definitely worth spending some time in and not just using it as a stopover to pass through, which a lot of people do because it is the central hub for transportation. And then, of course, when you when we think about Spain, we think about the, the places that I've just mentioned. But not everybody thinks about the north of Spain, and that's a whole other, a whole nother part of the country that's completely different. In fact, different different parts, different languages, different cultures. In the north, the best food in Spain. So, I mean, a lot of people do go to Basque country and go to San Sebastian. The food there is delicious, um, some of the best in the world, of course, with the Michelin star restaurants and the pincho bars and just the culinary tradition and the city itself is beautiful. But again, if you're going to go to the north, um, spend some time in San Sebastian for sure, but maybe do a trip that focuses on the north and go to Basque Country, so San Sebastian, go to Asturias, which has um, beautiful, beautiful mountains and just beautiful little towns and some of the prettiest coasts in the north. Go to Galicia, where you feel like you might as well be in Ireland and not Spain, and it has its own Galician language, and it's beautiful and poetic. Or go to Cantabria with its um, one of the most like stately Spanish capitals with a budding art scene, Santander, and it's all right there. And again, if with two weeks in Spain, you can really deep dive into the north and have a wonderful time, too.
1: Mm, that sounds so amazing, Karen. I'm just visualizing these places. Of course, I can't even really picture what they look like, but just what I imagine them to look like. And it all just sounds so incredible.
0: Thank you. I mean, we definitely, the Spain Less Traveled blog has a lot of photos and information about all these places, but yeah.
1: Yes. Yes. And I'll have everything linked in the show notes creative. So you can go and check out her beautiful site and her Facebook page and everything. And I love to know sort of how you're feeling about the rest of the year, what plans you have, how is kind of, yeah, the rest of 2020 looking like for you and your business, just kind of moving forward.
0: Definitely. So I have a lot of hope for my business and it's my baby and I'm going to continue to work at it and, and and nurture it and make sure that my dream doesn't fall apart because of COVID. It's a lot of hard work. I have a lot of um, projects planned, some kind of in front of the scenes for my travel Spain community, but a lot behind the scenes right now. I'm working on um, really trying to just amp up the website, even just a little bit more and take it to the next level. And then of course, all the things with, that come with running a website. So SEO, getting press, those types of things. So behind the scene things. Um, I also have some major long-term plans for the travel Spain community that I don't, I can't really talk about right now, but I'm, I've, I have a few big projects in mind to bring the community to new levels going forward. And of course, just reminding everyone that once we're ready, Spain is going to be so happy to welcome you like posting Spain inspiration to my Instagram page and my, of course, to my community, As well, continuing to update my blog and get new content and kind of keep things fresh from, you know, the front end of things. So a lot of things behind the scenes, but also just trying to keep the inspiration and new information going.
1: (laughs) Yes. And you're doing a wonderful job so far. I know you're like you said, your Facebook community kind of shifted, but it still feel like you can still feel the passion of the group and that people are just so excited about spain and 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 love it and it's just it's amazing that you can really feel that from people in their posts and what they share and so you've done an exceptional job just really building a great community around yeah something that you love and you're passionate about as well i just think it's wonderful
0: thank you no i mean big props to the travel spain community it is an amazing group of people and though it's not always easy to moderate a group of nine thousand, luckily i do have a co-moderator the, the rewards really, really outweigh the challenges. And I, you know, I sometimes go to my own Facebook group for community for inspiration myself when I'm feeling down. So yes, yeah, I, it's, I'm, I'm you know, I, I love them and I love my members and I love, I love being able to do that for them.
1: Yes, it's beautiful. Yeah. And it really shows. Mm-hmm. So I always love to sort of end the podcast with, just an action, maybe some a simple kind of tip or inspiration you can give to the people listening. And I know we kind of talked about this earlier of just maybe tips for people that want to get into the blogging space. But if you had sort of like one takeaway, even just for someone that maybe is looking to transition from a nine to five into their own business, into entrepreneurship, what is something you could kind of help them along their journey and guide them towards?
0: I mean, I would definitely say that you have to have passion for it because it's a lot of hard work all the time. There aren't days off. I'm constantly, even when I'm quote unquote on vacation, checking my phone or checking in and just making sure that things are okay. And, and, um, and like I work, I mean, I work for myself, so I don't work traditional hours, but I work a lot. And I work hard. So you just need to be ready for that. So it really needs to be your passion. It needs to be something that you love to do. Because if not, I can't imagine I would get so burnt out.
1: No, that's so true. And yeah, that's exactly my main goal with starting my business working woo is to share with people that it really is about, you know, putting in that action and that effort. It does take work. And it needs to be something that's in alignment with what you love, what you're passionate about, what you, what's part of your story. Like travel is, is such this part of your story, Karen. And it was so amazing to hear that. And I feel like that's why you've been able to do what you you're doing. And so it's important for people to hear that and to, to understand how important that is. Thank you.
0: Thank you. It's yeah. Um, yeah. Travel is definitely my passion. And if I can keep the stream alive through COVID, <sighs> I just, I have hope though.
1: (laughs) Yes, I do too. I believe, I think it's going to be good. And um, yeah, I'd love for you to share just where everyone can connect with you, what services you do offer for people once, you know, things do open up and yeah, where can we find you after the episode? Definitely.
0: So um, you can find my website. at It's spainwesttravel.com. Travel is spelled with one L. I think you said that you would link (laughs) it anyways. Um, You can definitely join us at the Travel Spain community. It's Travel Spain with an exclamation point. You'll just need to answer a few questions to make sure that you're not a troll or a robot or something like that. But yeah, we would love to have you and you can contact me through my website as well. Um, In terms of services that I offer, I offer everything from travel consulting to the full on handcrafted itineraries. Travel consulting is basically just talking to clients and helping them form their trip and get ideas for it and seeing where they want to go. But then in the end, they usually plan and book everything. I mean, we can use consulting sessions to help book as well, or I can do the full-on itinerary with my clients working one-on-one to execute their dream itinerary to Spain based on their interests, their budget, their time frame, what they really want to see and do. And, you know, that includes some travel consulting sessions. So we can really narrow it down and, get
1: that itinerary perfect awesome karen thank you and creative i will have everything linked in the show notes so you can go and check out karen and her beautiful work and her website it's amazing i was just looking at it today and yeah i really appreciate your time karen and it's been amazing just feel like you know catching up a little bit with you we haven't really talked in a while and so it was just great having you on i really appreciate your time
0: absolutely it was such an honor and when you reached out to me to ask me I was like oh yes I would love to so thank you
1: oh awesome thank you thank you so much for listening to today's episode creative I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did it was so amazing having karen on the show and like i said i've been wanting to have her on for a while if you'd like to connect with karen after the episode i will have everything linked in the show notes if you are dreaming about spain the way i am i want to go there even more now after talking to her today uh, be sure to check out her facebook page she has a beautiful group where people share a lot of beautiful insights i will also have that linked in the show notes And I hope that you have a beautiful end of the year. Happy New Year. And I will chat with you in 2021. Bye, creative. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, please leave a positive review. Check out workyourmood.com and come get more inspiration on Instagram. I'll chat with you next time.